الرجيم <coughs> 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 The first verse I want to recite, I won't recite the whole of Arabic because it's a long verse. It's chapter 24, verse 35. Allahu nuru samawati wal ard. Allah is the likeness. Uh, Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. I'll, I'll read out the rest of the translation because I'm going to refer to it. The likeness of His light is as a pillar on which is a lamp. The lamp is in a glass. The glass is, as it were, a brightly shining star lit from a blessed olive tree, neither eastern nor western. The oil whereof gives light, though fire touch it not. Light upon light. Allah guides to his light whom he pleases, and Allah sets forth. Parables for men, and Allah is knower of all things. The next one is chapter 5, verse 44. Again, I'll only recite uh, the first sentence of the uh, Inna anzalna tawbata fiha hudam wa nur. Surely we reveal the Torah having guidance and light. And then chapter 4 verse 174. Ya Ayuhan Ya Ayuhan Nasu Kadja Akum Buraha Numirubikum Wa Anzalna Ilaikum Nurum Mubayina. And 
the last one is 16. Chapter 16, verse 36. Walakad Bathna Fili Kulli Ummatir Vasulan Again, this is the beginning of the verse, and it says, And certainly we raised in every nation a messenger. And then there is the message, the, the, uh, the message that was uh, sent. I have recited these verses um, because uh, this week was the festival of Diwali or Deepavali as it's called uh, in Sanskrit and it is a festival of light and uh, one of the major festivals that is celebrated by uh, Hindus and Jains and uh, Sikhs and uh, some Buddhists uh, etc. It's five days long and uh, it's celebrated during the uh, Hindu month Kartika which lies between sort of mid, mid, mid October and mid November. Um, and it's one of the most uh, popular festivals of Hinduism. And uh, mention of it is found in ancient Sanskrit uh, uh, texts. Now, one of its most popular, uh, 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 it symbolizes the victory of light over darkness, good over evil, and knowledge over ignorance. Although it is true that what has happened is that in different places it has become associated with different human beings. For example, in large parts of uh, uh, India, it's associated with the Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth and prosperity. And uh, 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 people say that while it is to welcome Lakshmi into our Lakshmi into our houses, that we decorate our houses and and uh, uh, and so on. In other in uh, in other parts of the world, this festival is associated with other people, Ram and Sita and, and uh, so on. Uh, and so forth. But even in Hinduism, remember the original reason for celebrating Diwali was to mark victory of light over darkness, victory of goodness over evil, victory of knowledge over ignorance. Now, every time there is a non-Islamic uh, festival, whether it's Christmas or whatever it is, we are uh, asked, uh, you know, can we wish the followers of that religion, you know, a happy whatever it is? Can we participate in a non-Islamic festival? And then a hadith is quoted by those people who say no, that um, the Holy Prophet said that, uh, the one who emulates non-believers is one of them. 
Um, <clears throat> the brief answer from my point of view is that there is nothing wrong in extending feelings of friendship, love and brotherhood or sisterhood to members of other religions on their festivals. Wishing people a happy Diwali does not mean that you are actually taking part in some un-Islamic uh, 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 ritual or uh, you're worshipping um, an idol or whatever. Certainly, participating would involve that and that wouldn't be approved of uh, in Islam. But which non-Muslim is going to ask you to participate in their religious activities? I mean, a Christian may invite you to their home for a Christmas meal, but they're not going to ask you to go to church with them and take part in the, uh, in the service. And the same applies to uh, uh, Hindus uh, and Sikhs and all other religions. Uh, you know, wishing people happy Diwali, it doesn't mean that you are taking part in uh, something un-Islamic. Surely it is Islamic to wish that everyone is happy and healthy. At the end of every uh, broadcast, I say, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever religion or sect you belong to, may Allah keep all of you safe and sound. So does that mean that I'm taking part in some un-Islamic ritual by saying that all of humanity, whether Buddhists or uh, Hindus or Sikhs or uh, Christians or Jews or whatever else, uh, that Allah protect them? No. It is for me to think well of all humanity. You know, there's a famous line which is uh, 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 asked by a person. There are two people whose uh, various aspects clash and one asks the other, if you cut us, do we not bleed? Is our blood not red? And that is the point. And as if you're going to talk about, you know, if you emulate Kufar, you become one of them. Uh, go out into the street in any Muslim majority country. You'll see men wearing trousers. Sorry, the some reason we keep on having problems with the uh, the video and uh, so uh, <clears throat> while we tinker with the uh, with the cameras um, you'll have to uh, sort of wait for a few seconds I think I'll Batteries must have uh,
if you bear with us for a few more seconds. So, we were talking about uh, adopting the, the mannerisms of uh, the non-Muslims. And, um, you know, as I was saying, you go into the, uh, the, the street in any Muslim-majority country, and uh, what you will find is men wearing trousers, dressed in exactly the same way as you would find people in uh, New York or Washington, D.C. or anywhere else. In many Muslim countries, women will be dressed in exactly the same way as women in London and Paris and uh, Bonn and wherever else. Are they all heretics and kafirs? Most people, whatever religion they belong to, now use knives and forks. Is that heretic? Is that, uh, is that a heresy? And so on. But more interestingly, particularly in the context of India and Diwali and so on, <coughs> we have Muslims who every year go to mausoleums of uh, saints of days gone by And uh, they have an urs on which they have the valleys and uh, uh, and all this kind of thing. Where is that in Islam? That's not a part of Islam. Not only that, even if it's not the time of uh, urs, many people, many Muslims go to uh, these. Uh, um, graves of great saints of uh, days gone by and they even prostrate before the grave and they ask the saint buried there to grant me this and grant me that and so on. I would suggest that if that saint could grant anyone anything, anything, why didn't he grant himself everlasting life? We are told that this saint became ill and he died. Why didn't he grant himself full health? A person who couldn't do these things for himself, we are asking him to do things for us. Now, I would suggest that the same thing has happened with, uh, with Diwali. It was originally a festival to celebrate coming of light, coming of knowledge, taking people out of ignorance. And then it has become associated 
with human beings who were uh, probably uh, um, uh, sent by God to guide people in whatever area they were they were living in. I mean, the parallel with what Muslims are doing at the graves of these saints is uncanny. But I've recited uh, uh, some verses of the Holy Quran to show that Allah, it says, Allah is the light of heavens and the earth. A likeness of his light is a pillar on which is a lamp. The lamp is in a glass. The glass is, as it were, brightly, uh, as it were a brightly shining star lit from a blessed olive tree, neither eastern nor western. The oil whereof gives light, though fire touches it not, light upon light. And then it says, Allah guides. What does light do? It guides you. And listen to the words. That it's neither eastern nor western. This light, this guide, doesn't belong to any particular uh, 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 country, any particular place. And again, God's revelation, Torah has light. And the Holy Prophet himself said that angels are light. But the interesting thing is this verse, it's called Ayah Nur, or the verse of the light. And it can be sort of considered in many ways. And scholars, since its revelation, have been uh, 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 considering its meanings. Consider the symbols, the window, or the pillar, the lamp, the glass, the star the tree, the oil. And they've been interpreted in numerous different ways. But you can take the lamp and you say you can say that that represents the guidance from Allah. And its imagery is a reference to the practices of all faiths and all religions and all traditions. It provides a visual image of Allah's relationship to humanity through his guidance. If one has ever experienced uh, Diwali, it is possible that the picture of a shining lamp in one's mind's eye based on this verse would look similar to the festival's celebrations. Allah enjoins Muslims to see God's light in all things, including the possibility of gaining knowledge from other religions. Remember the Holy Prophet saying, even if you have to go to China, go there to gain knowledge. He is saying this to his companions. What are they going to learn in China? The Holy Prophet is in Medina. What are they going to learn in China? Arabic? Hadith? Sunnah? No. 
They're going to learn about the traditions of the Chinese people, about their religion, about their language, about their sciences. And this is the point about this, this verse of the, uh, of the Holy Quran. And as I said, Muslims are being enjoined to gain knowledge from all other religions. So Diwali is a time to think about spiritual and the theological questions and use Diwali to learn more about Islam and deepen our understanding of other faiths, practices and their religious imagery. <clears throat> the common symbolism of light is an excellent metaphor for interface dialogue and deep philosophical discussion. The Quran tells us virtue and evil are not equal. If you repel evil deeds with virtuous ones, you will certainly find that your enemies will become your friends. By rejecting others, and treating them somehow as inferior beings or holding inferior uh, uh, beliefs, we are not going to make them our friends. But while holding on to our beliefs, if we treat them with respect and, you know, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed and I learned with this, gave a brilliant example of this. A person had just qualified as a medical doctor and he went to uh, the promised Messiah to ask him for guidance about how he should uh, embark, uh, embark upon his career. And the promised Messiah said, when there is someone sitting in front of you, you should never think what that man's or that person's religion is, or what their caste is, or what their creed is, or what their sect is. You should be grateful to and thank Allah for putting in your hands a skill which you can use to relieve humanity, a human being, of their pain and difficulty. And that should be our attitude, both with the physical illnesses and spiritual illnesses as well. When we talk to someone in whatever field we are in, and that includes religion, people generally very aggressively say, and what's your religion or what's your sect or whatever. But our consideration should be we are trying to heal someone's spiritual ailments. But we are going to treat them with respect and consideration that they deserve. That is what will bring people to Islam. That was what brought people to Islam at the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad That despite everything, Muslims still treated others with courtesy and kindness and respect.
بارک اللہ لکم فل قرآن لذیم و نفانا و یاکم بل آیات و ذکر الحکیم انہوں تعالی جواد کریم ملک بر رحیم